What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Real Estate Success Strategies podcast. My name is Michael Tucker, and today we are going to be talking about the Olympian mindset. Okay, so it's a little different today. We have a very, very special guest who is a former professional tennis player and Olympian, and now she is in the financial realm and also in the real estate realm. So we're going to bring her on today to talk about mindset and how you can build that in the real estate industry. So let's go. Well, guys, we have Sunitha Rao on the call with us today. I'm so excited because, listen, I got connected with her through Kimberly Marie, who was on another podcast in the past, um, and that po podcast was amazing, but uh, we brought on Sunny to be on here and talk a little bit about her past and you know how her uh, Olympian journey kind of helped her in the real estate industry. So, Sunny, how's it going? It's going well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing amazing. Is Indy treating you okay up there? It is. I moved here about a year and a half ago from Boston, um, and it took me a little time to acclimate, but I love it. And the real estate opportunities here for my goals are, are much better. So I'm excited. excited awesome. I've, always, I've <laughs> always loved Indianapolis. Great people, I feel like, and um, it's just a great area. So, But thanks for being on here. I'm super pumped because whenever I heard you, know, you traveled the world playing tennis, uh, my wife loves tennis. She actually got me playing and I suck at tennis okay so and uh, so she gets mad when we're playing she's like can't you just hit the ball inside the court I'm like no I can't so uh no this is really cool bring you on here and I would love to open up this conversation and just talk about your journey and talk about how you got what you have nine doors in your real estate portfolio portfolio right now correct right? yeah how you got from you know where you were to where you are now so um, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and um, how you got into real estate. Right. So, um, as mentioned previously, I am based out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I moved here about a year and a, a year and a half ago from Boston. So, um, I was actually a long distance investor for about a year, investing in Indianapolis from the East Coast. And um, I decided to move out here to more quickly grow my portfolio, like be my own boots on the ground, like develop my networks and my relationships with people so that I could essentially be more effective. Um, and that was kind of, that's a little bit how, a little bit behind how I've like grown a little bit more quickly in the last year and change. Um, that's helped a lot. But um, before that, I was investing long distance. I had a full-time corporate job, which I still do. I kept that job when I moved out here. And um, I've been in the corporate world six years. Holy cow. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Yeah. So um, six years and I got into real estate. I got interested in real estate about two and a half years into like my corporate career. You know, I was working really hard. You know, I was, I am really ambitious. Um, that's a trait that's been inherent from like my formative years. Thanks to, thanks to my years in sports, you know, you can't, you can't grow up dreaming of being like the absolute best in the world and winning the biggest tournaments without some level of ambition. And that doesn't really die when you leave the sport. Right. right. So it just needs to, yeah, you find like other ways to like funnel that energy. Um, and initially it funneled into my corporate um, job, my corporate career, you know, and I was um, very single-mindedly focused on advancing, just like I was single-mindedly focused on improving my skill set and my ranking and my, and, and bettering my, my athletic career. Um, but 
there were definitely things that were um, that did not translate so as well as they did in the athletic world, right? So like um, when you're competing, a lot of it does depend on your opponent, but you have a much bigger say in how in your success, right? Um, when I moved into the corporate arena, I found that performance um, didn't that job performance didn't always translate to the same level of success, i.e. it was not necessarily a meritocracy 100%. Um, there were a lot of like politics and other games right. that had to be played, you know, and after, after more than a decade of like traveling the world and like having that autonomy and like having a much bigger say in how things turned out, like I had a really hard time in trying to figure out how to brown nose in order to to get ahead like it I just sounds so bad but it's so true i mean yeah it does it does sound bad but that's i mean it's i can't sugarcoat it it's kind of right kind of no how it, that's how it is the cookie crumbles right so um and i'm not gonna lie i still have trouble with that so i kind of i wanted to find a different way to influence um my my future because like a lot of many of our decisions are based on the constraints of like time and money right and so like i was putting all this energy into like my corporate life and it wasn't really giving me as much freedom as i wanted so two and a half years in that's when i was like okay let's let's look at a different path here you know and that's when i found real estate and i didn't have any money then um I spent the next two years doing research because I was in grad school and working full time. Like all of my money was kind of going towards that. I saved up every penny. And then um, in 2018, I finally, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the date and the years and I'm like doing the math in my head. So um, that's what's behind those posits. So in 2018, early 2018 was when I made my first investment in Indianapolis. So you said you had no money, but you just saved. Yes. Yeah. And you were in, you were in grad school, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. It took me two years to save up. Wow. The so there's like a lot of you guys complaining money. out there that you don't have no money to invest. Listen, just stay consistent, save, save, save. If you, yeah. if you don't want to raise money from private lenders, if you don't want to raise private capital or use creative ways, just do the basics and save. So that's very interesting. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think like private lending is definitely one way to go, but I feel like with private lending, what you're doing is you're going to someone saying, hey, I have an opportunity for you that's better than all the opportunities that you know of in your circle. But if you have never invested in real estate or purchased a house or done any of that in your life, like how do you know like that that is a better investment? You know, like right. I, I am a firm believer in like putting your money where your mouth is. And um, like I only took on my first investor this year after like seven doors or something, because that's when I knew like I had, I had the process down. I could go to someone and say, I have an opportunity and have a track record right. that would back me and the knowledge to know it was an actual opportunity. Right. Well, I think that's, I think that's very true what you're saying. You want to make sure you have some kind of form of knowledge and experience. Um, I don't think experience is, totally required. And I'm, I'm sure you would say the same thing to raise private capital, but it's always a plus, right? So yeah, definitely you know, 100%. You just 100%. need to make sure that you the people that you are, you know, raising private money from understand that you're taking the measures needed to make the deal good and make the deal what it needs to be. Um, exactly. mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so you got this, your first deal, saving up money in graduate school and mm -hmm. uh, how would you scale from one to nine? Like, was that, did you, <laughs> 
just like refinance or what that looked like? Um, that looked like more saving and that looked like being very creative. So, um, that first deal I put down like the 20% or whatever that you need to put down for an investment property. And then I was like, I don't have much money left. (laughs) (laughs) So I was able to get one more deal, like six months later, luckily that was like a portfolio deal. So that was three doors, a duplex and a single family. And the seller was basically like, if you buy the duplex, I will finance the single family. So I got, I did one more conventionally finance and then I, um, seller finance slash, um, owner finance, the other one, which is where the owner basically acts as the bank, you know? So I didn't have closing costs. I didn't have to put anything down. Um, the only costs that were involved with that were, um, there was about 3000 in like turnover costs. So I basically got like, a property that was worth 90,000 with $3,000 and buying another property. Awesome. So I went from like zero to five within like six months, seven months pretty quickly. Um, because I was able to like, I'd done my research. I'd known different ways right. of making things happen. And that's basically, that is the, those two deals were the last ones I conventionally financed because like my W2 income is, basically my sole source for like my acquisition. If you put down 20% every time that, that, that fund's going to dry up really fast. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's cool. Your point now that you got your second, your, well, your other three properties pretty soon after your first. And I hear this a lot, the, the power of your first deal. If you can just get your first deal under your belt, it's so much easier. We all struggle getting that first one, but um, actually, a good friend of mine, Michael Blanc, he um, invests in multifamily apartments and he coaches people around the nation. And he's always about that. Just get that first one. Just get that first one. And it's so true. So um, congratulations, yeah. by the way, for building your portfolio. That's it's amazing. Thank you. But if you're listening to this, you know, don't worry about the third, fourth, fifth or sixth property. Just focus on getting that one because it opens up opportunities that you would never, ever imagine. So Yes, that's, and that's so true. It's like every door has, I I am a big planner. I am super type A, like slightly neurotic, maybe more than slightly (laughs) neurotic. So like, I really struggle in it, like with how I'm going to grow this and what I'm going to do. But I've learned that if you just like take one step at a time, just take care of what's in front of you, optimize that. Once that's done, take care of the next step, optimize that. And you just keep saying yes to different opportunities and put yourself out there. You have like no idea what's going to come of it ever. So that's it. You definitely, you can't plan for this, but what you can plan for is a level of effort and the mindset you have going into each, each day and each meeting and each opportunity. Boom. That's, that's perfect. I couldn't have said that any better. So <laughs> thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. So how did you get into the tennis world? Let's, let's go back a little bit. And like, was that something that your family was passionate about? Is that something you just picked <laughs> up or, or what was that all about? Oh, okay. So now we're going to talk about my daddy issues. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, that was kind of like the preconceived path for me well before I was even born. So, mm. um, my father was a soccer player. Both my parents are Indian. Um, my father was a soccer player, a collegiate soccer, soccer player in India. He had dreams of um, being a professional athlete, et cetera. And those were never realized. And in the town that he grew up in, in India, there were two um, like tennis players that became really famous. And so he saw like the money and like the fame and the glamour and was like, oh, I want that. <laughs> right. 
And so about 15 years later, like talk about a long-term strategic plan, right? Um, I was born. And so um, he, I was going to be a tennis player mm. no matter what happened. Luckily, like I had an affinity and an aptitude for it, you know? And so I started like running around the block when I was like four years old with him. I started like, I had like a little plastic racket and a foam ball that I'd like smash balls around the house with much to like my my mother's delight right (laughs) (laughs) and so that was just kind of like how it started and it just I just kept training and eventually Mm. I just kept improving and started playing on the bigger and bigger stages gotcha that's awesome that's that's big accomplishments I know um you know growing up you probably were you know, we're maybe guided in that area a little bit more than others, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> but, but that's cool. I'm sure a lot of opportunities came through that, whether you know it or not, or, or I don't know. 100%. Maybe. No, um, and I think that like, I am a big supporter of sports. Like, I think there's a lot that it teaches you that really like relay well into real life, like resiliency. Well, what, well let's talk about that. What do you think okay. you pulled from your, your tennis career? Um, well, how old were you when you uh, stopped officially? Um, 23. Prof- 23, okay, professionally going. And so what do you think you pulled from the sports arena and the sports uh, world that you're using right now in your corporate, other than the ambition we talked about, right? Yeah. But um, something that you're using right now in your corporate finance world and your real estate business. So like the first thing I think is resiliency, you know, like as an athlete, you get kicked in the mouth a lot because everything, everything in your life revolves around your ability to perform in that arena. Right. And then you go in and there's only one winner every week or every two weeks, depending on the size of the the size of the tournament. So chances are you're going to lose every week. Right. And so that's, that can be pretty challenging, you know, to, to deal with mentally when it means so much to you and it's literally your life, your way of paying um, for food on the table, keeping a roof over your head. And it's also like your, your entire identity, you know, so being able to take those knocks and get back up and be like, it's all right, like next week, I'm is going to be better and I'm going to learn from this and make myself better for it. You know, that is, that has been really helpful. Um, in both the corporate world and real estate, you know, it's, it's the ability to pivot and, and to not be stuck in one mindset so that you can be better for it. Um, there's also like very much of a long-term strategic, um, mindset that comes, you know, with it, you have to think in terms of years. It's not about, it's not necessarily, you're not necessarily training to win tomorrow, although you need to win tomorrow. It's also about accumulating those wins so that like a year from now, you can be where you want two years from now, you can be where you want, you know, Mm. and, and that's translated really well into, into real estate and into the corporate world because it's especially real estate, because that's not a get rich quick um, scheme. Like you have to show up every day, put in the work and, a lot of times you're going to lose more money on some days than you make, you know, when you have like big expenses and stuff, but it's knowing that you're doing the work and that you're showing up and doing the right thing day in, day out. That's really going to make the difference over the next 10 years and dramatically transform your life. Definitely. So those are like two big ways that have, that have helped. I me. love that. I love you talking about dealing with losses. Um, especially I can imagine, you know, like you said, you're a lot of times you'll lose week after week and you know, you hope you win, right? But it's just yeah. dealing with that and realizing the expectations up front. And 
um, you know, so much in real estate is dealing with those losses, especially for me, if you haven't ever heard my story or anybody else listening, um, you know, I, my first two deals I lost money on and it was just like 15, 20 grand out the window. And, you know, especially with somebody that had no money at all. So literally it was all credit card debt and, That's you know, scary. yeah, it's scary. And you just have to learn how to deal with those emotions because with me, I didn't know how to deal with those emotions at the time. And I just found myself putting those emotions out on other people um, and really just struggling with them hard. And yeah. so if you can learn to um, stay resilient and contain those emotions and realize that um, down the road, you'll get to where you need to be, then it'll, it'll all pay off in the end. So I, thank you for sharing that. That was amazing. And I just, it's a crazy story you have and I'm very intrigued. I'm very intrigued by it. So sorry to asking all the deep questions. No, you're, you are fine. I'm happy. I'm happy to answer whatever, whatever you think would help. How was the transition from, from, you know, at 23 going from professional player? Um, I'm guessing you didn't do anything else on the side. I'm guessing you were full-time into. Yeah. Yeah. And even more so, like I wasn't even, I didn't even have an education. So like in Mm. order to pursue that path, I had to train full time from the time I was like 12, 13, 14 years old. I actually turned pro when I was 14. So that meant I had to drop out of school. So I didn't even finish middle school. Like I, my last year of schooling was sixth grade. Mm. And I, but when I got to 23, um, I had like a, maybe a few thousand in my bank account. I don't remember exactly, but I didn't have much. Um, and I had no education. Um, I like, I had absolutely nothing. And so starting over at that point was like one of the hardest things that I had to do because I didn't know how I was going to support myself. Like a lot of people turn to coaching, you know, and I did that for a while, but I knew that wasn't going to be my path, you know, and end up going back to college and stuff, but trying to figure out like what that path would be and whether I could even do it. Like I still remember walking into um, my first class at a at community college. I was making up some like general credits and stuff, you know, not having finished high school. Like there's definitely remedial stuff I had to take, but like there it was like a 200 person something lecture. And I was like, this is 23. I hadn't been in a classroom since I was like 12. And I was just like, absolutely like petrified and like mortified and it's like I never opened my mouth and that continued through much of like my undergrad so like even I went through two years at community college and then I got a scholarship to a private business school up in Boston and even what after I moved to Boston after I was getting like good grades I was um I wasn't SUMA I was like Magna I was on like the honors program like I was earning my way and and should have had like more belief in myself like I just did it you know because of so many years of being in a completely different arena you know and so that was that was very tough um but the transition and then also having to rebuild like that confidence and that belief that I could succeed in other areas like I knew I had to but that's different from the innate belief that you can (laughs) well I think it's cool because you put yourself in a position where you had to believe in yourself it wasn't, you like, you could, you didn't have to go to college. You didn't have to go and do these things, but you did. And in return, you, you forced yourself to build up that confidence. And there's so many people out there that, you know, and they'd be in the position you were in. They wouldn't even attempted it because they would believe, Hey, I, I haven't had any high school um, experience. Why do I jump straight to college? Right. Or I'm sure there's a lot in between that you had to deal with yeah. there, but 
um, yeah, so like a lot of you all out there listening right now, you're dealing with a lot of personal belief and uh, personal confidence issues. Listen, sometimes it just takes go, getting into an environment you're uncomfortable in. And she's living proof right here. Sunny's living proof. And uh, it's funny, I was reading Atomic Habits, uh, a great book, love it. And it was talking about creating your environment, creating your environment to get you where you want to go. And sometimes you have to do that. So uh, do you still struggle with that confidence and that beliefs today? Or is that something that you, oh, you feel like you've conquered? No, I definitely haven't conquered. A lot of these things are like, they're deep seated, you know, like they don't just go away. So like, I definitely feel like I have that imposter syndrome, you know, and especially mm. when people are like, oh, you've done so much. And I'm like, I have not. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know how I got here. I'm just kind of here now. But no, I definitely, I definitely struggle with that. But the the one thing that kind of helps me is like, I'm in position A, I want to be in position B. I don't feel qualified half the time to move to position B, but what is the alternative? Right. Stay where I am. I think if we look back on our, in our lives in like 20, 30 years, and we are still in position A, when we had hopes of like go, being in position B, that's, we're going to have regrets, you know, mm. and we only have Amen. like yeah. one life to live, right? So would you rather make a few mistakes along the way, fall down, like get knocked down, whatever, but eventually know that you tried your best and maybe you were able to achieve those dreams or do you want to just kind of stay where you are and maybe have to deal with that regret a couple decades from now when it's too late to make those changes? Yeah, awesome. I love it. And that's so true. Uh, I see people every day, you know, I tell the story a lot, but, you know, growing up, I, I worked in the restaurant industry for about 10 years. So my family owned a restaurant, worked there. Wasn't my thing. Uh, it was decent money because I was a server waiting on tables growing up. But I mean, I just seen so many people week after week, day after day, say they wanted to do something, but they never did because they never had the belief in themselves. Um, and so, you know, fast forward 10 years, people that I were, I was working with when I started, they were there when I left. And so, you know, maybe they liked it there, maybe they didn't, but it's just, there was a lot of talk, but no walking, right? So, I mean, <laughs> it I was- I mean, it is scary to do the walking. It definitely Yeah, is, it is. But, as I said, what's the other alternative? Like fear, fear can be conquered through like education and different means. Um, mm. So it's just, it's really about like how bad you want it. Like, do you really want that better life or- are you okay with letting the fear conquer, conquer whatever dreams you may have? Right. That's, that's awesome. Uh, question for you. So now you're at nine units. Mm -hmm. uh, are most of those single family? Or are they a range between small multifamily? What's that look like? Uh, those are all single families and duplexes. Um, okay. I'm definitely hoping to scale into something larger in the coming years. Um, I would love to get into multifamily space, but um, I've been restricted by capital and I wanted to like really grow the business and learn. And, um, so I, in for these last two and a half years, I've, I've stayed in, in the smaller spaces and basically just reinvested every penny I had. And that kept me in the smaller area, but now I have to learn how to scale and, and start to think bigger, which is scary. Right, definitely. Have you flipped properties at all or no, just rentals? Nope. Just rentals. Gotcha. And I'm so what's hoping to do a, like a live and flip soon, but. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be super yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. It would be. So what's, what's your vision 
what's your, I know there's a lot, we were talking about earlier at the beginning of the podcast, like focusing on that one, right? Just focus, focusing on what's ahead of you, but I always like to dream at least and have that vision out there. So oh, yeah. what's, what's the future look like for you? What's your, uh, well, let me ask you two questions. One, what's the vision for the future for you in your real estate business? And then also what's your passions? Like, what are you passionate about? If, if real estate gave you the financial freedom, what would you be doing? I would be in the nonprofit sector. So that's really my passion is um, doing good in the world. You know, I think that I've been, I've benefited a lot from people who didn't really have to believe in me or support me at all. And I would really, there, there are multiple causes that I'm passionate about that I would really like to be involved with. I've always been more inclined towards that, but it's really tough to, to live that life. Like I, also wanted some sort of financial security after my years of playing tennis. So going into a job after a college degree and only making thirty to forty thousand dollars a year, that that seems like really tough. You know? right. So my goal is to be able to build this real estate business so that it throws off enough passive income so that I can I can do these, I can be involved in these activities that I'm passionate about and just like really help others. I also love to travel, you know, so like spend more time traveling. Um I work a lot, like I always have, you know, like the tennis career, that's all encompassing. And then the corporate life and now trying to balance growing a business and an entrepreneur life with a full-time job. Like I don't get to spend as much time with the people that I care about, you know? So like my, my vision, my why is to spend more time on the things that really matter in life, which is like the experiences you have, the people you get to share them with and how you make the world a better place. Awesome. I love it. So I had another question I meant to ask earlier. Sorry, I'm everywhere all over the place. No, don't even worry. You're so fine. my question was, uh, whenever you first started, you said you, you started investing remotely from a different state. So how did you do that? What would, what would be some tips for people? Cause I've actually had people tell me and, you know, ask these questions, you know, how do we like invest remotely? What would, what was that experience like for you? And what tips would you give for people that are listening? It all really comes down to education, I think. And that starts from like the very base level. Um, like what are the different strategies that would work for you, which would also be based on like your end goals. You know, what kind of life do you want to live 10 or 15 years or 20 years down the road? And then figure out like, okay, if I want X strategy with X like risk exposure, i.e. like, okay. So for me, I wanted that passive income. And I wanted it to be stable in 10 years and 10, 15 years, you know? Um, so I invested in a, in a higher cash flow market and um, I invested in higher class assets, you know? So like in stable neighborhoods where people with, where people um, would want to live because school districts were really good. There was local crime um, in the here and now that cash flow might be a little bit lower, but over time, like people tend to leave less, you know, and there's just, it's just a much more stable environment. That's not to say there aren't going to be evictions and turnovers and stuff, but that's just kind of mitigating my risk, you know? So it's like kind of how you want to invest, what you want your life to look like and which environment will support that, you know? And right. so like, if you're looking at your stability 10 to 15 years down the road, you want a place that invests in infrastructure that invests in like long-term success of the community um, that has like support for the school system that has like a diverse economy and that sort of thing. So it's really about, it's just like a system of matching. Like, like once you figure out what your goals are, like what's the strategy, what's the location for the strategy. And then like 
dive down until you can find very specific like counties or towns that within like a state that would work for that. It just, it just takes time, but you can definitely like keep funneling down until you find it. A lot of research. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not for the faint of heart for sure, but it's worth it. We think it's cool if you build the right team. We talk about this a lot. If you build the right team, property managers, real estate agents and stuff, they can help you along that research journey as well. Um, did you manage these properties yourself or, or no. let me ask this. So you didn't, okay. At first you didn't. Oh, and I still don't. <laughs> okay. That, that was my question. I was going to ask if you currently or currently were doing that. No, I mean, I'll manage the properties that I live in. So I live in a duplex and I have a tenant next door. So I'll, I'll manage that. But, um, again, Not, you don't want to be a manager. <laughs> no, no. I like it's, it, it's important to know where your limitations are and what's, what's going to drain the energy from you, you know? And for me, especially like during the time of COVID and et cetera, there's all these regulations being passed. Things are changing, you know, like housing regulations, blah, blah, blah. Like that's a full-time job to keep up with that. Otherwise, like I'd be, I could be exposed as a homeowner, you know, or as a landlord. Um, if I don't do things like buy the book, I don't even know the book and the book keeps changing, you know? So for me, it is well worth the the fees to pay a property manager to do what they are experts in while I work my job and look to and spend my energy in building those relationships and finding other properties to acquire. Yeah, I'm the same exact way. And actually I live in a small town, so there is no property management. <laughs> so, oh, wow. so, uh, you know, growing when, yeah, whenever we first start growing our business, it was like, you either make your own property manager by training somebody or, you know, and it's still like that where I live right now. So either I manage it myself or we train somebody how to do it. Um, but yeah, so I found out real quick that I did not like being a property manager and it wasn't anything. It was just, that wasn't my fit. So for you, if you're listening to this right now, you may buy your first property, maybe super close to your house and you want to manage it because you love dealing with people. Well, awesome for you, but, um, you need to fit, find what fits, um, your personality and you know, your goals. So, um, you know, how'd you go about finding your property manager? Was that something you found through referrals or was it just researching? What's that look like? It was, it was networking and, um, talking to different people and seeing who had worked well for others and then narrowing it down from there. Gotcha. That's awesome. Well, I, we're going to end this out with one question. If you could give any tip to a real estate investor right now, they just said, Hey, Sonny, um, you know, I want to get into real estate or I, I want to buy some more properties. What would be your, your overall tip for them? It could be anything. Just, I know that's a very <laughs> odd thing. Like, yeah, what it's just... so glad. I think it's very, I think it's very different based on where you are in your investment journey. I, I don't think there's like a one size. Let's, let's give all. an encouraging word. What, what, what encouraging word would you give someone in the real estate space? There we go. Um, that it's about the long game. And it seems hard in the short term, but there's no better way to build cash flow and wealth over the long term. So no matter what happens, just keep educating yourself and stick with it. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Love it. I would love one time to have you on again. I know we're running short on time. I'd love to have you again and dive deeper into your story. Uh, maybe in the future sure. when you get to like a hundred units or something like that in the next year or so. <laughs> Yeah, well, hopefully I won't need to manage 100 units, but we might. I have no idea what the future holds. I'm just trying to make progress. So that would be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And it's cool. And how many years has it taken you to go from one unit to nine units, if you don't mind me asking? No, two and a half. Two and a half I years. Bought, that's I that's bought amazing. Good job. 
Thank you. That's really good. So everybody that's listening, listen, she works full time. She was going to school whenever she started this, uh, this little business of hers, this real estate business. And now she has nine rental properties and yeah, it's not a hundred or, you know, it's not three, four or 500, but it's nine rental properties that she never had. And she did it all through consistency and um, just being persistent in the journey. And you can have that same journey as well. You can have 10, 20, 30 properties, as long as you're consistent and you put in the work and just do the right actions daily. So, um, Sonny, thank you so much for coming on. This is, this is awesome. I loved hearing your story and uh, must stay connected. And, and everybody else that's listening, can they find you anywhere? Are you on Instagram? Do you have a website? What's that look like? Yeah, I do have a website, um, Griffiths Property Group. That's spelled G-R-I-F-F-I-X, propertygroup.com. And my social media handle is the same, Griffiths Property Group on Instagram. Okay, awesome. Well, I will attach those links below. So if you guys want to go follow her uh, property group, you can go and do that. And um, just shoot her a message and just let her know how awesome she did on this podcast. I'm sure she'd appreciate it. And um, if you guys need anything else from me, feel free to reach out in the real estate success group on Facebook. If you're not in that group, you can go ahead and join it. It's totally free. We do trainings in there weekly. Uh, you get behind the scenes of me walking through properties, making offers live, um, a bunch of, bunch of stuff on there. Just cool. Uh, ways you can connect with me and the other entrepreneurs in the real estate industry. So that's real estate success group on Facebook. Would love to have you in there. So Sunny, thank you so much for coming on. It was amazing. Uh, we will be publishing this soon. So I'm so excited to share it with everybody and uh, make sure if you guys are listening to subscribe and leave a review so we know how good we did and we will see you all later. See you, Sunny. Bye. Thank you.